0: I'm going to continue tonight our series we actually began last week, What is in a Name? And we're going to start with Revelation chapter 1, 18. But let me just say this. Uh, we've been discussing the power of the name of Jesus. And we've been discovering that all power and all authority has been given to Jesus and is found in his name. He said he can do all things in his name. Everybody say his name. Now say his name. Now say his name a little play on words, right? Jesus, right? There's power in his name. I always tell people, if you don't believe there's power in his name, test it. Tomorrow at work, in the lunch break room, on the line, wherever you're at, by the water cooler, just start saying Jesus. And they notice you ain't cussing. Amen, somebody. And they notice that you're actually saying his name with power. Let me tell you something. It will change everything in the room. I mean, you can talk about God and people will talk to you. You can talk about Buddha, they'll talk you. Can talk about Muhammad, they'll talk about. Talk about Jesus and everything gets tense. The room gets tense. Why? He said there's power in his name. Everything around you in your world changes. I've never seen anybody cast anybody out, or any demon out rather, uh, by the name of Muhammad or Buddha. And, you know, I'll tell you right now, I'm not trying to make fun of anybody, but I'm just here to tell you there's no power in that name but I have seen demons tremble and come out of people in the power of the name of Jesus. Amen. All power, all authority has been given to him. If you are a Christian, you are. that means you are a believer in Jesus Christ, giving your life to Jesus Christ, then I am going to tell you right now, you can cuss, I don't want you to cuss, but if you do cuss, you do not use the name of Jesus to cuss with. You better clean up your mouth. You don't use that name. Why? Because it can bring judgment upon you as quick as it can bring anything else upon you, as well as blessing upon you. The Bible says, do not use the name of the Lord thy God in vain. What is his name? His name is Jesus. That's his name. So you want to be very careful. Use his name. By the way, the reason why I say that, too, is because you have to understand that when you say it, when you begin to pray and you pray and you say at the end of prayer, in the name of Jesus, I want you to know there's power in it. So when you pray over your lunch, your dinner, or if you pray over your children or the day, uh, and you just say it, it's almost like you're ending a sentence. You say, in the name of Jesus, know what you're doing. But if you're taking his name in vain and you really don't think about it, there's no power in that whatsoever. But there is power in his name when you utilize it in faith. Look at Revelation chapter 118. Jesus said, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. I have the keys of Hades and of death. Jesus said that. He has the keys of Hades and of death. And I wrote this down. The one who has the key is the one who is authorized. If you want somebody to open the door for you, you find the one who's got the key. Why? Because they've been authorized to open the door. Jesus was saying, I am the authorized one. In Matthew 28, 18, uh, 18, Jesus said, the Bible says, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority, everybody say all authority. all authority, has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus made the claim bold, loud, and clear, all authority has been given to him. Uh, in order to, uh, for them to take him, and like the psalm we sang, our sin was found upon him on that cross Right. The only way they could take his life is that he said, I will lay down my life for my friends. If he wouldn't have said that and offered his life, you couldn't take it from him. How do we know? We have scriptural proof that says that, that that twice they tried to take him and kill him. Once they wanted to throw him over the hill and and kill him, and another time they wanted to stone him to death. Both times he walks right through the midst of them, no harm done to him whatsoever. It was literally a supernatural thing. He walked through them, and they did not know where he went. Why? If he doesn't offer his life, you can't take it from him. All power and authority has been given to him. Look what it said, it says here in Matthew 28 and verse 19 and 20. Jesus here delegates that authority. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So we can read it that way. Baptize them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So so he's saying to them, this is how you baptize, in the name of the Father, name of the Son, name of the Holy Spirit. Well, again, what is God's name? What is his name? Jesus. He revealed himself on earth in the form of Jesus Christ. Jesus is not a great prophet. He was a great prophet. He's not only somebody who was a great healer, and he was, and all the other things that he was. He was, in fact, God on earth, manifested himself in human form, and he appeared as a man, but he, in fact, was God. That is the power of who he was. So Jesus has all authority, and we've got to get busy. We've got to go in that authority and go and make disciples. Come on, y'all. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. These are the things he told us to do. Baptize them. These are the things he spoke to us to do. And go in that authority of ours in his name and not procrastinate. The authority of his name gives us an action plan. That action plan is found there in Matthew chapter 28. Now, Mark, I'm going through scriptures tonight because i got to get through it. Mark chapter 16, verse 17 says, Jesus explained to his disciples, he said these words, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands upon the sick, and they will recover. That's power right there. That's authority right there. And so someone said, well, I'm going to go try to pick up a snake tonight, and I'm going to see if that really works. And no, I wouldn't do that at all. No, that's not talking about you putting danger in your hand. But if you come upon danger... Or something you eat is not right, or or something you drink is not right. That's what he's trying to tell you. Wherever you go, my protective power will be there because you go in my name. Amen. And when you do that, the power of God comes on the scene. Now, next, I think it's next Thursday, is our more night. And when we do that, we're going to see the power of God manifest right in our midst. We're going to pray for people. God's going to touch them in in many different ways. However, God is going to lead us on that night, and I'm excited about it. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about it. I'm gonna get you get you ready get your faith built up for it. But, but what I'm trying to tell you is is that we don't need as a church to hype things up to get you to a place where you're in a frenzy and I'm going to believe God and, and we almost got you in a place like a trance and we got the music just right and, and, and the chorus is just right and the lights and smoke is just right and the band is uh, hitting the notes just right and we got you in that place. That's not what I'm talking about. We don't need hype. Matter of fact, we pray for people. I'm going to tell you right now, I have prayed for people uh, by just hundreds and hundreds of people over the last uh, three decades and I can tell you that I've seen this happen in church world. This is church world. Church world can be funny people. I would like to write a book about things I've seen in church. It would be hilarious. There's so many funny things that happen at church, and sometimes they happen right when the spirit of God's moving, and 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 they're, they're, that, that, that that the power of God is, is on display. And there's some people, man, they just, they're just so open to God, and they don't care about the music or the song or the, the, what's happening around them, and they get touched by God, and other people are very aware of the surroundings. I have seen people before I prayed for them to look behind them to see if there was a catcher ready to catch them. And if there wasn't a catcher that night, they didn't go out, but bless God, if there was a catcher, ah, and they go, come on, they go out in the Holy Ghost, but they ain't gonna try to break their hip going down or they ain't no catcher. Now, I'm just gonna tell you something. Be safe, but you don't have to go down like that. You know what I'm talking about? He can heal you, touch you, deliver you standing up. But if you go down, if you go down, you ain't gonna get hurt anyways. Come on. I've seen people bite it. I mean, take out, I've seen people take, I'm gonna tell you a little story. He's an elder of the church in Beloit, known for years. His wife was coming, and uh, they were new to the church. And matter of fact, it was our first phase of our building in Beloit. Years and years ago. This had to be 90, I'm going to say 91, somewhere around there. And uh, my parents were out of town, so I was preaching for my dad. And and so it was a Wednesday night service, a service like this, a midweek service. And all of a sudden, I, I saw the woman who normally comes, and she's with her husband. And she's excited because he don't go to church. And so I... um. I, I had an altar call at the end. I said, does anybody here want to be filled with the Holy Ghost? If you want to get filled with the Holy Ghost, come to the altar. We're going to pray for you. And uh, it was, I'm telling you, church world is funny. And, he, and all of a sudden, uh, people were coming, a few people were coming. And then all of a sudden, he gets up. Well, I didn't even know the guy was even saved to begin with. So he gets up. He wants to get filled with the Holy Ghost. He's coming, and I'm kind of aggressive anyways. So as I see him coming, I could get down. I was like one step down in the front. So I got off that little pulpit and went down one step. As I'm coming to him, I say, in the name of Jesus. Now, he's two rows back. When I say in the name of Jesus, I go like this. The power of God nails him. He takes out two whole rows on his back. Everybody moves out of the way. I mean, it's like climbing. Chairs go flying, and he's on his back going. He starts speaking in tongues. The power of God nailed him. He wasn't looking around for no catcher. You ain't got to try to make it look cute. If it's God, it's God. Got up, not even a rug burn. Come on, somebody. Didn't hit his elbow, didn't get hurt, nothing. When God is in it, you ain't got to worry about a thing. Don't need the high. We need the power of the Holy Ghost, and the power of the Holy Ghost comes in his name. In my name. Come on, you will do these wonderful mighty works. So the power and the author- authorization comes to us in the name of Jesus. And remember, we said this last time, that the name of Jesus gives us power in three dimensions. Gives us power in heaven, the Bible says. Gives us power on earth and gives us power under the earth. Even uh, in the, the kingdom of darkness, we have power in that name, especially in the kingdom of darkness, but we have it in heaven too. So we can call those things that be not as though they were. We can we can speak, the Bible says, and the will of God that's being done in heaven can be done on planet earth. And he said, in that day, you will ask me nothing but you will ask the Father in my name. So now, real quick, let me just do a little teaching here. The proper way to pray is when you pray. People say I prayed to Jesus today. That's great. That's fine. But the Bible, Jesus is actually trying to teach us to have a relationship with the Father. Now, we have one God, not three gods. You don't have God the Father thrown here, God the Son thrown there, and God the Holy Spirit uh, thrown there. It's one God that comes to us in three different ways. He has a way to do that. Now, that's a mystery. You have to receive that by faith. But Jesus came to to reconcile our relationship back to the Father. So we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. The third thing is you don't pray to the Holy Spirit. Nowhere does it say to pray to the Holy Spirit anywhere in Scripture. But the Holy Spirit empowers you to pray. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to you. Jesus reveals the Father to you. Now, I know sometimes that could be semantics, but if we're gonna pray this, pray properly. Let's have a relationship with the Father in the name of Jesus, our Father who art in heaven. That's how he taught us to pray. Matthew 16, 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter, Jesus said, and on this rock I'll build my church. And the gates of hell or Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, all authority. And whatever you bind on earth will be where? Bound where? In heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed where? In heaven. I've got authority in those worlds, heaven and earth. What I speak has power and authority. And it's also got it at the gates of hell. So I've got that authority. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth, if you've not ever heard of him, they call him the apostle of faith, great healing evangelist um, at the turn of the century. And uh, in the First World War, he was from London, and he was a very, um, he was a plumber by trade, and he wasn't an educated person uh, per se, uh, but he was a good man, and he did not get saved uh, until about the age of 39, 40. His wife was a, a woman who went to the Salvation Army Church, which was a radical church in those days uh, in London, in England. And, um, and so uh, she got filled with the Holy Spirit. She begins to pray for her husband. He gets saved. He gets filled with the Holy Ghost. God calls him into the ministry. He has no formal theological training. He has no, uh, he has no education, but he has a calling of God. And God begins to use him in the area of healing and in the area of preaching. They said when he spoke, he spoke like a statesman uh, when he would preach. When he would talk to him, he would talk like a common person. But when he got up to preach, the power of God would hit him. And um, he was very strong. There's so many neat testimonies and stories about his life. And you can read his book, The Apostle of Faith. And they got his teachings and preaches online. Incredible. Smith Wigglesworth. It will do you good to look him up. And um, he tells the story, power of God was with him wherever he went, that, um, that uh, he was asleep and he was awakened by a noise in his parlor in the, in the, downstairs. He slept upstairs. And when he came downstairs, he looks down the stairwell and he sees Satan had come into his house. And he was sitting in his chair. And, of course, he said it, it was the, you could feel the evil and the fear that was trying to sweep into the house. He said, and when I saw him, I must have shocked him. Because he said, I looked at him and said, oh, it's just you. And he went back to bed and went back to sleep. Now, some of y'all, you saw that and been calling me and anybody else and Waking people up and running for the running for the door, trying to get out of the house. The devil's trying to get me. He just goes, Oh, it's just you. Do you know why? Because he goes on and talks about it because he said, Because I went to bed that night and I prayed in the name of Jesus that no evil would befall fall me or my household. So when the devil came in there, all he was to me was nothing more than a mirage. He had to go. Somebody say, Amen. That that's the power of his name. Now I've got a couple things that that's happened to me in my my, my world over the years that I've seen God do some pretty cool things, and um, and one time uh, I was with um, a couple of my youth uh, guys that were you know that would do things with me. Um, I, I was I was kind of mentoring them. I was the youth pastor for years in my father's church, and so um, good guys. And and uh, one of the young man's cars broke down, so I said, yeah, I'll help you. You know, go to the it's a junkyard to go get a part for his car. And so um, me, him, and his buddy, who happened to be one of the kids I was discipling too, we went to this junkyard. Now this junkyard was off the road, and you had to go on this gravel road, way, way. It just kept going back. And where in the world are we going? And finally, you see the cars everywhere. And finally, we get back there, and there's a beatable, rusty trailer, and it just said "office" on on the side of the on the side of the door. And so we get out and we go in. Now, mind you, uh, this will help with the story. Uh, I'm white. One of the other kids that we're fixing the car for, he's white, but the other kid's black. And uh, so we go in there, and uh, all of a sudden when we walked in, you could feel, you know how you could just feel something's not right. But I didn't clue in at it at first. So I'm talking to the guys, and here's the part that we need, here's the old one, do you happen to have this? He's not paying attention to me. He keeps looking at my kid that I'm discipling that happens to be black. And I thought, what in the world's going on? Does he know him? I'm, not, I'm clueless. I don't know what's going on. So all of a sudden, he starts using the N word. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I wasn't ready for that one. So I thought, we're going to probably have to get out of here pretty soon. And all of a sudden, he says, there hasn't been a hanging around here in years. Come to find out the guy is a part of the KKK. Come to find out the city I was in was the national headquarters for the KKK. Did not know that. Now another guy comes in. He, I don't know how it happened, but he must have notified him somehow. Comes in, shuts the door. He's behind me, the two guys I'm with, and the other guy. Now, the guy that's at the counter that's kind of talking to us badly, he is massive. He's over six foot tall, huge, just massive guy. He's kind of leaned over on the counter, and he starts to stand up. Now, you can feel something's about ready to go down here. So, I ain't got nothing. I start looking around. You know, I was real spiritual. I started looking for what? I want to hit this guy with something. I'm going to have to find something. I gotta, I'm looking for a pipe, a part, anything I can grab. We got to get out of here. In my mind, fear hit me. And all I could think was violence quickly to get out of the situation. Because I can. I actually had a picture of us getting killed, put in one of these old cars out here, and put in the, the, the compactor out there. Come on, somebody. Getting crushed and never find us again. And he starts talking about the KKK is gonna rise again, all this kind of crazy stuff. I'm looking for something. I'm gonna to have to I want to, to kill this guy. So and I look back and all of a sudden my guys are just kind of they're kind of at peace. And I thought to myself, this is not right. So out loud, I said, I'm gonna tell you something right now. You ain't gonna do nothing. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. And then I started doing this. Roma sandalabacate. Rima. I started speaking in tongues. I'm using the name of Jesus. I'm speaking in tongues. The guy was shocked. He looks at me. He gets nervous. He sits back down. The other guy goes, whoop, and he walked out the door. He was out of there. Now this guy's just looking at me and I'm looking at him. I said, You ain't gonna do nothing to you. You understand me? Nothing. In the name of Jesus. Right. And he looked at me and said, Oh no. Don't tell me you're one of those tongue chewer Christians, are you? Oh, if you mean filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking with the other tongues, I said, You just heard me, didn't you? He said, Oh no. He said, You people are crazy. I said, I'm thinking, I'm crazy, you redneck. I'm thinking, what's wrong with you? And, and he, next thing you know, the guy starts just pouring his heart out. My, my grandmother was Pentecostal. I don't believe in that stuff, but I believe there's a God. And so I start to witness to the guy. The other two guys are just standing there. They don't know what to do. They don't have a clue what to do. I'm witnessing to the guy. The guy slumps down. He's getting lower and lower and lower and lower until you can't get any lower. Big, huge guy. And then all of a sudden, I said, do you have the part? He said, yeah. I said, how much? He goes, it's on the house. You just go ahead and take it. I thought, dear God, look at that. The power of his name does work. Come on, somebody. And I didn't have to kill him. Praise God. (laughs) <laughs> you can do that too, amen. You say, well, I don't know how to end traffic tomorrow morning. Come on, somebody. You know you want to kill everybody around you, don't you? Say, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. The authorization of power in his name supersedes time and space, always. The Bible says that Jesus is the light of the world, and that light lives in us. So everywhere we go, don't forget, don't get caught in the flesh like I almost did. It was shocking. Didn't, I, was, I didn't know what to do. But all of a sudden I thought, you know what? He's the one that ought to be embarrassed, not me, in the name of Jesus. When I started doing that, the power of God came on the scene. What was happening? Light was coming in darkness. That's why I say when you use his name, anywhere you go, light comes on the scene. Now, some people are drawn to the light. But other people get nervous when the light comes on the scene. Why? Because the Bible says, lest their deeds should be exposed. So you have to understand, not everybody's going to love you because you are, you got light on you. I'll never forget when I first got saved, and I've always been kind of a leader, you know. And I, I just felt like all my friends and family members would all get born again. You know how many got saved? None. And I witnessed that every single one of them. My cousins all came into town. My my oldest cousin was we were, we were best friends, and um, his brother, and uh, some of their cousins, and we were all friends. And I had a whole house full. My wife and I, we, we just, we, I just got saved. I was probably saved six months. And I was on fire for God. And I heard they were in town, so I called them all to my house. And I had a vision that I was going to get them all saved. They were going to cry and receive Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. I was going to pass out Bibles to everybody. and it was gonna, We were going to receive a communion. It's going to be a great night. And uh, I did. I believed God was going to do it. And so I went and I started they all got quiet. We were reminiscing at first and then I started telling them about what Jesus did in my life and I'm telling about the Lord and how, how wonderful he is and how great he is and, and you know, I'm thinking, the, what's happening? The light is coming into the room and I'm thinking, everybody's going to be drawn to the light like I was drawn to the light. I didn't know the light was actually exposing things and making people uncomfortable. I wasn't readily able to read their faces. I was just preaching the gospel. I was having a good old time for about 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden I go, guys, I want you all to get saved like I got saved. I said, who, who here, I mean, does anybody want to receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior? He got super quiet. Nobody said nothing. And all of a sudden my, my cousin, my younger cousin, spoke. He said, well, I got something to say. Great. I am thinking he's going to receive Jesus tonight. It's going to be wonderful. He I got something to say. I said, what's that? He said, who are you to judge all of us? I went, oh, no. He started going on a tirade. Who do you think you are? We know who you are. You were sinning with us just like everybody else, and now you're supposed to be good and tight with God. How do you know I'm not saved? I'm saved too. I said, let me tell you something. If you were saved... Now, that was my bad part of it. This, this where it all went downhill from here. If you were saved, you'd be right next to me going, come on, everybody. Everybody, let's get saved. You wouldn't be causing a problem. Next thing you know, we get in a verbal altercation. Next thing you know, there's a coffee table between him and me in my little living room. I step on the coffee table. I get nose to nose with him. I'm going to knock this sucker out because he is of the devil, and he has wrecking the spirit of God in this house. I'm gonna put my wife jumps between wait, 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 stop, stop, Jeff, stop. And so it was bad. Everybody left, and it was a it was really bad. Why? Because not everybody is drawn to the light. But do you know many of those people in that room got born again, including that cousin? And when they did get saved, they called me up. I was the first person they called. And my cousin said, this was like 15 years later. My cousin said, I, I need to apologize. I said, what? He said, I got saved. Oh, man, that's great. You don't apologize, but that's wonderful. He said, no. He said, I'm, I'm calling you. You're the first person I'm calling because, he said, that night, man, I, I knew you were telling the truth, and I was out of order, and I was so convicted. I was so angry you were talking like that. He said, I didn't know what to do, so I blurted some stuff out. Would you ever forgive me? I said, of course I forgive you. Let me tell you something. They may not be drawn at that moment, but they're being drawn. Amen, somebody. Our job is to be the light. There's light in him. Matthew 8, 5 says this. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant uh, is dying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy. You should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. That's the power of the authority I'm talking about, that wherever you go, he is there. You don't. Jesus does not have to show up on the scene. You just use his name and follow the instruction to be obedient to what he's asking you to do, and God comes on the scene. It's a supernatural thing. Somebody say Amen. I think many times we're happy to just be saved, but we don't, we kind of, we don't, we know what we've been saved from, but we don't know what we've been saved for, and that's the thing What I want to get across to the church, that's part of my job, my mission, is to understand I'm not just saved to go to heaven, I thank God I'm going to heaven, I, 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 and I'm not just saved because I'm saved from my sin, but I'm saved for a purpose, and my purpose is to still be on planet earth, to be a light to the world. And in his name, come on, I can do great exploits. And you don't got to wait for church for it to happen. How about praying for people on the street corner or on your job? You get them in a corner and huddle, say, in Jesus' name, and let the power of God show up. I don't let opportunities go by. If somebody asks me to pray for them, I don't say, I will. I grab their hand right then and there. Let's pray right now. Right here, right in the cafeteria? Yes. Do you want an answer or not? He'll show up. Okay. Okay. And most times, sinners that don't know Christ get answers faster than those that do know him because they're desperation. They're not thinking about anything else. They're ready to get a result from heaven. Amen. Now, the New Testament believer is not one of defeat. It's not one that is begging. We're not to be beggars. We are one of victory and of blessing. Why? Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. I'm gonna say it again, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Wherever you go, he goes. And the Bible says, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think according to the power that works, where? In us. Everybody say, in us. In us. So wherever you go, he goes. Be careful where you take him. And wherever you go, realize he's with you, so there should be no Fear. No intimidation. You go and get a promotion. He's with you. You go into a place that might be a little bit like I don't know where I'm at right now. Don't be afraid. He's with you. But also, don't don't be taking places he's not supposed to be either. Come on, somebody. Amen. I'm I want the church to wake up to this. It's time for us to have a little conviction in our lives. Amen, church. I'm preaching better than y'all. Some half of you shot me down, the other half going, "I will contemplate that." Praise God. Are <laughs> You hear what I'm saying? It's time for us to take stuff for real. Amen. I'm going to end here just because the sake for second time. We'll pick it up next week. God is on the move, doing great things, church, and He's doing it in your life. Why don't you stop saying, "In the name of Jesus," at the end of, a, of, a, of a, just of an a ordinary prayer, and start going, "I know. I'm not going to wait to the end of the prayer to say it in His name." Start off saying his name. Your kids in your house. Some of y'all just get mad. You get so frustrated with them. And you get angry. And you slip a couple cuss words. And you threaten them at the, for the inch of their life. Oh, y'all looking at me like you've never done that before in your life. I mean, you threaten I'll take things away from you. I'm going to whoop you. I'm going to whatever, right? And we do all that stuff. And we get in the flesh why don't you just start wild when they're sleeping? Go by their bedroom say, in the name of Jesus. This child's going to serve you all the days of their life. They may be frustrated right now. But God, there's going to be a victory had in their life. You caused me to have this. This, And by the way, every person in the earth is special to God. Pray over your children just like that. They are special. You say, you should meet my kid. He's special all right. No, I'm, talking, I'm saying they're special in the eyes of God. There's a purpose and a mandate and a calling upon their life. Today, I was in the hospital meeting with one of the members, a brand-new member of our church. His name is Angelo Reyes. You're going to meet him. He's going to be here Sunday. He has been in the hospital for over a month. And many of you know about him and have been praying. I asked for you to pray. And um, he was here, and... Um, uh, this is a little over a month ago, and we had ordered all that bark and mulch for for the week before um, Good Friday service. And we wanted our church to look nice. And so we asked for people to come up and help, and a bunch of people showed up. We had like 35 people show up, and Angelo came. Angelo had, had not been in church in many, many years. He'd been out in the world, and um, he decided to come back, gave his life to Jesus here at the church. And then he wants to go out, and he wants to help. So he's out there. So I came. When I came, I, I, um, I had rehearsal, so I came a little bit later, but there were still some people here, and he was one of them. So I hadn't met him before. So he introduced himself, got a chance to meet him, nice kid. Thanked him for being here. Later on that night, within hours, he was in a terrible car accident. He, they literally put him on life support. He was dying. And finally, within a week, we didn't even know, since we didn't know him, he was so new to our church nobody knew to get a hold of us we didn't know for a week later that he was on life support so we found out they called the church because because they, the doctors said that they needed to take him off of life support so and he's just in his 20s just a kid and um and so uh, we didn't even know to pray i'm just trying to tell you something that we didn't weren't even praying because we didn't know to pray his little family was praying and asking God to do something. And so um, they. Um, it was a touch and go night, and he made it through the night. And um, by just by a divine miracle, uh, he was able to pull through that. And not one broken bone, but he had massive head trauma. So he's got some stitches in his head. He's got where they had a trach in his throat and all that stuff and the life support stuff, and he's got tubes and you know all that is. And so I went and visited him today. And he's feisty. He's ready to get out of that place. And while I was, he said, Today is the day, Pastor, I get out today. I didn't even know it. And, and the, then the doctor walked in and said, Well, we can't let you out today. We can't do it till Saturday. So he was a little bummed about that. But he says, I'm going to be there at church. Matter of fact, when I walked in the room, he said, I get released today. He says, "I know church is tonight at seven o'clock. I'm going to be there." I said, "Whoa, whoa, buddy! You know, you're just getting out of the hospital right now," and and he goes, "I'm coming. I don't care. I'm coming to church, man. I'm coming to church. God spared my life. I got to show him some thanks for that." So, so uh, he will be here on Sunday, okay? And uh, we won't make a probably big that big of a deal about it because he, you know, he's going to be a little bit fragile. But my point is this, guys. My point is is that. You can't give up we don't know how everything's going to pan out all we have is the word of God to speak and, to, and believe on and we have to let God the Bible talks about him being in control of our lives he's in charge of our everyday lives and you got to make sure that you always do this so when you pray pray in the name of Jesus believe God over your children pray for your kids I don't know why I feel to say this But they prayed over their their child, their child pulled through. Then we begin to pray. God was doing miracles. But my point is to you is this is that you got to lift up your kids. I don't care if they're 35, 45, 55 years of age. I still believe as long as we have air in our lungs as parents, we gotta lift our kid we lift up our kids and our grandkids. No matter what, they gotta have that protection (laughs) and prayer. Never, ever give up on your children. I'm grateful that my parents did not give up on me even though I was nowhere close to coming to Jesus and giving my life to him. But it happened. It happened. People prayed me in the kingdom. I'm so thankful to God for that.